welcome to the Precision Grazing Podcasts. Meet the farmers and managers taking a pasture-first approach to their businesses, building productivity, profitability and resilience, whilst improving their environment and achieving a positive work-life balance. To learn more about how the Precision Grazing team can help your business, visit www.precisiongrazing.com and book your online appointment for a chat. Welcome back. Uh, it was with great pleasure I got to meet Philip Hughes recently, a farmer from Cordwen, who has gone from the traditional Welsh hill farm of Welsh ewes, lowland taxels and a circular herd to a simplified system of all Welsh ewes broken into two flocks and introducing B&B Aberdeen Angus cross dairy calves into the new system, all with the help of precision grazing and the master grass programme. Philip is making sure his business is healthy and productive for him and those that come after him. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's dive on in. Welcome. Uh, today I'm talking with Philip Hughes from Hendor Farm in Cordwen. Hello. Hello, nice to meet you. And you. Uh, so we're here today just to, to talk about your journey and your work with Precision Grazing, um, who have helped you turn to rotational grazing on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> Another farm falls under their clutches. So just to, um, can you just give me a bit of an introduction to your background? How long have you been back here at Hendor? Sure. So I have gradually been coming back over the last 10 years. I've been running my neighbour's uh, estates for him as a land agent and then gradually come back to look after Caravan Park and the farm and develop a few diversifications along the way. Yeah. So there's, yeah, you've got quite a few things going on here. So can you just give me a bit of an introduction to those? Uh, yes, so the, the, the core of the business, how it all started, uh, we were tenant farmers and brought our tenancy out in 1957. Uh, traditional uh, sheep farmers, wild sheep and a suckler herd. And we're now evolving that into more of a, a higher performance Welsh sheep flock because we farm up onto the top of the Bedouin, so fairly hard ground on the top at 2,800 feet and then 500 feet in the bottom. So we have dispersed the suckler herd and now run a, uh, a, a herd on bed and breakfast, which is uh, Aberdeen Angus cross dairy calves. Um, and then in the, what would I say, the late 60s, my father started a caravan park, which has grown and grown. And then we've gone into renewable energy over the last five years. Oh, excellent. So lots, lots going on. Um, so just a quick look at the... Um, anaerobic digestion then so yep. what uh, what sort of turned you to that then it's uh was something that was government backed and supported so there's something called a feeding tariff which gave us surety on income yep. for a 20-year period and the outputs of the anaerobic digestion number one is digestate so it replaced all of our farm fertilizer um which has really improved our if you like carbon footprint in terms of not buying fertilizer but also um, financially assisted the farm dramatically in terms of digestate and then all the power is running the caravan park which is one of our other big cost inputs of electricity mm. so it, it fits really well with the whole business yeah no and especially i suppose at the moment as well in the yeah the all the in increases we're seeing at the moment yeah, in nhd fertilizer electric fertilizer yeah heat, and also you know opportunity you know there's I'm always interested in microbiology, so that's be it animal health for a gut to you know convert feed, and that's yeah. a digester as everybody hears. Yeah. So you know we've developed microbiology to almost double gas yields over oh, that wow. period. So now I guess it's also an off-farm interest, so that we license that technology into other new-build AD plants around the world, but also. I guess, um, for retrofits to existing plants as well. Oh, that's amazing. I'm always amazed what happens in these Welsh hills and the innovation <laughs> and what, what goes on. So we are here to talk about the farm. So can you just, uh, so, you know, you already said you were tenants and you bought that out in the 50s. Uh, so what sort of size is the farm? Uh, we'll be operating to about a thousand acres if you have it in old money. Yeah. What's that, 470 odd hectares? Um, of which 60% is, is hill on the Bedouin, and then down at the valley bottom, we'd have 400 acres, of which roughly 200 acres is improved uh, three, and 200 acres, really good lowland. Yeah, okay, so, um, and then what sort of soil type are we looking at here? 
all sorts. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, so loamy gravel on the bottom, going into thinner soils um, on the free, and then up on the, the mountain, awful lot of peatland. Yeah. So, you know, which perhaps historically we would have viewed negatively, but, you know, we're really working, getting to grips with um, how that can be positive for our farm, you know, the community the environment, and also what financial opportunities that might yield in, in the years to come. So yeah. we are actually viewing that as an opportunity, not a problem now. And in the dry weather that we've just experienced in, in July 2002, having a mountain with peat, with undisturbed deep-rooting soils, meant it's never stopped growing grass and it's it just it just happily holds dry ewes all summer yeah and they're doing well up there really really good yeah yeah, yeah. so you've got lots of different kind of habitats uh, sure. or haven't you on the farm from your what just class it as improved grassland right up to yeah. unimproved and yeah. no input peeps what sort of rainfall are you here um we would probably be back into our money um in inches about 65 inches that would be an average year yeah. um, and like everybody else it comes and goes at different times now it's not yeah. as consistent as it used to be but we we do find that june has been a, historically for the last for five years a great month so we've actually brought our harvesting forward into june we were always july harvesters yeah um so you know we are changing our farm with the weather and i asked my father he's in 82 How's, how's weather changed in your farming career and how's it affected you, Dad? And he said, well, actually, yeah, there's no question that global warming is happening and whilst it's desperate for people that are having their houses burnt or flooded around the world, for us in our part of Wales, actually, we get dry weeks for weeks on end so we can have a, a decent harvest yeah. and actually farming, in his view, the winters are getting softer, the summers are getting warmer and it's actually easier to run our farming system, which is... Yeah, an embarrassing change of events but it's actually yeah. benefiting us we feel whereas our friends down country trying to farm sheep are scratching around for grass all summer I know I was thinking about that the other day actually just like the very fact that actually it's helping the yeah, it's making the job easier yeah, yeah. especially like yeah. you say about those hard winters yeah. and that constant rain yeah but we'll get caught out at some point yeah. you know that's life isn't it are you doing any water storage are you like putting back any ponds or it's something that we're curious about under the new sustainable farming scheme. Yeah. Um, there are certainly some wettish parts of the farm that we could put some scrapes in. Yeah. Um, you know, so we could have a bit of bit of bird life, wading birds, you know, wetland areas um, yeah. that we would be interested in doing. Just need to, you know, understand more of the scheme, really. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I th- yeah, I just again. I think our history, history is predominantly wet, isn't it? Whereas yeah. now we are drying up, so yeah. that can holding back some of that water. Yeah, I think it's really important as well. Um, so obviously your business has changed over the years, and you say you've sort of been started coming back in the last ten. So have those changes started with your return, or was that something that your dad was sort of interested in, and your uncle who? Yeah, so John and David, and dad and uncle. Uh, always try to be progressive and I would certainly say when they came back when they were young men trying to convince my tide that we should be doing things differently I think my dad said there's this stuff called silage and he said don't be an idiot you'll kill them um, <laughs> and he I believe he built the first silage clamp in the area oh, wow. um, still just about there now um, <laughs> still holding on. and then he said I think we should be going electric sheep shearing and uh, dad again Ty said no you'll kill them and I think the following year most of the neighbours were on electric sheep shears. Yeah. So they were very pioneering in the 60s and 70s for sure. Yeah. And then I would say the farm probably um, plateaued or stabilised um, for the next 20 years. And now we're sort of we're, we're at it again, really. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say we're a very profitable farm, but you know, our aim is to be making a profit before subsidy. That's our serious aim. Yeah. Um, and we're not there yet. But let's hope we get there. And that's through the changes uh, through grassland management with minimal external inputs. That, yeah. That's our method of doing it with the help from, from James Daniels and, and Matthias Williams. You know, they're, they've been key to setting us on this journey. I said flippantly at the beginning, it's their fault, and it certainly is. You know, we couldn't have done it without them. Yeah, oh, that's excellent. So let's just take a step back before we get um, into you, you know, how James and Reese have helped. So, what were you far? So when did you start with precision grazing as a start then? So we started on um, the Welsh Government Farming Connect programme, so they had the Master Grass course, um, and my wife Sarah, I think they do say most of the good ideas and farms come from the kitchen table, my wife said you ought to go on this, so 
I made the time and, and didn't regret it. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I couldn't have done it without that course because it's such a fundamental change in a farming system that has established itself over generations. And I know people say it's going back to a historic way of farming and it, it might be, but it's a massive change for us. Mm. And I genuinely don't think I could have done it without external help. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is that call to go sort of back to our, our grandfather's farming, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah. But also we've got to take that technology to bring, you know, yeah. The, the ideas we use then and improve them. And we're carrying so much more stock now yeah. as an industry, yeah. you know, in terms of stocking densities than we ever used to, and bigger stock and in a very different way. Yeah. Um, so whilst we can learn a phenomenal amount from the past, yeah, we, we've got to apply some, some measurement to it. So what were you doing then before that uh, Farming Connect Master Grassland? What, were you set stocking? Were you sort of... I know you, we spoke earlier and have seen the Texel crosses, so were you sort of down that commercial route? Or? Yeah, we were set stocked, you know, and buying in lots of cake um, and running a suckler herd um, to taking forward stores as opposed to finishing anything. Uh, yeah, and putting lots of creep feed into lambs um, to try and grow them. Um, so generally doing our best, but, you know, we analysed those figures not very long ago and it turned out we were spending for every pound in extra performance it was costing us three pounds to get there and we were just the subsidy was hiding it yeah Um, you know you draw all that back and strip it back and it was quite sobering so fundamental change was needed particularly under the 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 future of of a changing subsidy regime that's wanting us to do different things so again rotational grazing grassland management looking at soil biology all those things that we're trying to do fits with what the government want to do and it fits with cutting out external inputs. Yeah. It certainly was costing us three pounds of, of external investment to make a further pound turnover on the farm. So yeah. it's financial madness. Yeah. What like woke you up then to think, what are we doing? What sort of, was that you coming back and sort of taking more of an active part in the business and like really looking at those figures or was there some moment of, you know, did something happen that it was like, what are we doing? I think probably two key things. One is, yes, a change in the subsidy regime. You know, we're still not fully clear where that's going to be, but we know it's going to change and we've got a rough idea in the, the method of change. Uh, we just don't know, you know what the actual financial incentives, how they'll be weighted for each action. Um, so that, but that was certainly one. Making tax digital. So, you know, we, we went on to zero. Um, we set up a department for sheep, a depart- department for cows, so we could look at those enterprises to see what they were costing us and how they were performing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just analysing our costs, just, I'm afraid, embarrassed to say, basic business management that yeah. perhaps we weren't doing. Yeah. Shone a light on what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. I, like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, you know, going online with your tax. It's there, isn't it? You're yeah. not like putting all your receipts in that cardboard yeah. shoebox and sending yeah. it off to the accountant. Yeah. It's for you to see, isn't it? And yeah. That's a, yeah, that's I, I guess the other thing is, that, so that was the negative, but there was also, I guess, a huge positive. So we have a, in a discussion group, oh. uh, which the Welsh Government support, and, and Chris is our enabler, is that the right word? Oh. <laughs> Sounds a bad word. No, anyway, yeah. he is what he is. Facilitator. He, facilitator, that's the word. <laughs> that's and uh, and uh, we have it, it's, it's all private within our group, but we share our data. Oh. So we look at what our performance figures were, and first year I was absolutely bottom of the table and you know Priya said don't beat yourself up because you're in a group of excellent farmers yeah. um, and then the next year we were sort of coming up through the league tables so the changes were starting to make effect with league tables the wrong word but you know through the through yeah. we weren't yeah. on the bottom rung um, and we could see our change year on year so we've done that for two years we're about to be into our third year of, of monitoring yeah. um, and we could just see that our system you know wasn't right the changes we're making are having positive effect and it shows where we can get to and that we can make a profit without subsidy you know yeah. it won't be a lot don't get me wrong but you know we, we can, can be profitable it. and that's where we've got to get to so how important was that discussion group and how important is the sharing between farmers financial data oh uh, it's the, the financial data yeah i mean that's not the whole part but it's it's certainly beneficial you know we also have external people that may be on a zoom call as has become the norm or we have now a few farm meetings now that covid sort of backed off um 
and it's brilliant because you're talking to other farmers that are trying to make the changes or have made the changes so you, you can hear what worked and what doesn't work and obviously what doesn't work is often more educational than what worked um, and also those farmers uh, like myself are perhaps the only person in their area that are doing it so obviously there'll be a bit of leg pulling from all the neighbours about what on earth you're up to um, but also you haven't got the ability perhaps in the same way for the over the fence conversations about what worked and what didn't work in your neighbourhood so um, yeah the group's been very very useful in that regard. Is that like a local group was it Welsh wide or nation? It, it was a north and a south group that has now merged um, so yeah it's it's oh, now yeah. a national group yeah and, uh, Manu is in his about 40 odd maybe oh wow 50. oh good yeah. amount of them yeah. oh that's yeah. really great then I just yeah. I think like you know there's so much positivity from discussion and yeah. chat isn't there really yeah. so much can be learned and shared yeah. so that move to like the changes of BPS the um, going online that sort of saw that first initial change so and obviously thanks to Sarah for finding that seeing that farming connect yeah. course why did she think you should go on that? Um, good question. Probably not a, a good answer because it's not applicable to everybody else. For a while, Sarah was working for Farming Connect. Oh, okay. So she had good awareness of what was going on and what was available. Yeah. So it certainly wasn't an inside job, but it was just knowledge from somebody that was closer to the source of the information. Yeah. And she could just see how positive it was and how applicable it would be to us. Yeah. Um, you know, as farmers and we're often just too busy to stop and take time to look at what's available and what's out there yeah. despite the fact that farming connect are constantly you know <laughs> yeah. contacting us telling us what's going on yeah um and we're not paying enough attention because you know our head's in a different place yeah so you went on that course uh is that the one when they had like the three different levels correct was, yeah that's it yeah. so you, you've done you did all three I think I skipped the first level yeah. and went into the second and third, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. So what was your first, um, what did you do first after that sort of meeting or those? We went to Colleg Glenclivon and had two days there to you know, have a, an immersing sort of residential um, session. And yes, came home and bought some electric fences and um, started having a go. Um, on a small part of the farm and have grown it and grown it and then you know, designed the fences then precision grazing helped us design the design the, the system yeah and I would say now the mountain isn't but the rest of the farm is 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 almost completely set up to apply the rotational grazing process yeah and we're, we're in a situation now where we're understocked we're growing far more grass than we need um, so you could almost say we've doubled the farm size without buying any more land you know it's, wow. it's absolutely crazy it's, it's been that significant I admit the digestate has, has assisted um, but you know some farm some fields in the farm that would have been holding 100 ewes or holding 180 200 ewes Gosh. in rotation you know so it has been dramatic and we've seen the pasture quality improve the weed burden come into balance a lot better yeah. um, and you know it has had other consequences we didn't expect so all of our boundary fences we've had to fix a bit because <laughs> when you're rotating it, it tight you know you, you, you need to keep your stock in the right place yeah uh, so uh, our neighbours have been very understanding. <laughs> you highlighted those <laughs> yeah, gaps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, it's been it's been good. So that's what we did when we came back. Bought the kit, got some water in the right place, and put some fences up. So water, because I sort of meet quite a few farmers. I'm like, oh, you know, we don't have the water. How how important is that investment into that water? I think it's the water and the fences is an investment. There's no getting away from it, but it makes life. Um, so much easier and the job doable and because I'm flying around on the caravan park and on the the AD business I'm not full-time farming so you know we've got two lads that work with us and you've got to bring everybody else along with you to yeah. use the cliche on the journey haven't you yeah and if you make the job easy and achievable and they can see the benefits they buy into it and they do it which I'm pleased to say they have the investment for us fences it was just a, it was a cash investment painful but done yeah water um, harder um, on our lowland easy mole plough off a well off a pump really easy yeah. um, hardly any road crossings free harder because we've got a hundred meter lift in places to pump water up so that's been harder um, nearly cracked it not completely cracked it to be blunt um, but once we have 
we can then really increase the stocking numbers further on the free, which is where we're understocked currently. Yeah. So, so it has held us back from not getting the water in. What system are you inputting there? Or so we've done. We've we've put in a solar um, system, solar panels that run the electric fence energizers, um, that also have twelve volt batteries that are running the water pumps. So we can pump the water out of the stream, which is constantly flowing. Yeah. But it's just getting enough power to push it up the hill. Um, that's that's our final final step. So will step. that be looking at some more solar then? To or? I think an intermediate pump. Okay. So we have got it sort of two thirds of way up the hill, but yeah, the pumps just... run run out of grunt, so we've got to put another one in. Okay. Um, so as an intermediate. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I think yeah, once you can get your water, isn't it? You're sort yeah. of away with that. Yeah, absolutely. And is that are you feeding the uh, water off one trough in the field, or have you like got blue pipe coming off and sort of so the central system? Every field we've put, if you like, a, a stand pipe, if you like, un underground, so it's frost proof because obviously it gets higher up the hill, more frosty. Yeah. Um, and then we've got draggable water troughs that just you can then within each field you can drag that water trough to wherever you need to within the field wherever the stock are behind the electric fence yeah so that the trough moves with the stock um to make it you know an easy job yeah you sort of said you came back bought that electric fence were were you involved then with precision grazing so now they delivered the course but had you sort of just taken their learnings from that two-day course and brought it back to the farm yeah, pretty much, and then then realised that I needed more more. Well, I think we'd get there a lot quicker with more support. So Chris and I meet once a month physically or on Zoom yeah. to basically set a plan. So the master plan, and then it's month by month review, which is grazing and grass and management is one bit, but also um, the other bit I would say is is the actual business planning. Are we forward to budget are we actually delivering what we need to do because yeah. if you haven't got the money the rest of it's all a bit academic so what were the uh, challenges you faced with going into this system um luckily no resistance from dad uncle or the shepherds that was no no human resistance um the challenges were yeah just the cost and the time to put infrastructure in and then get the hang of using it properly you know sometimes we'd overgraze sometimes we'd undergraze generally yeah. would have too much grass you know it performed too well too quickly and we didn't have the mouths to eat it so that was probably the, and keeping quality and therefore keeping growth yeah um in terms of daily live weight gains on fattening lambs and certainly the first year the grass was too long um and we definitely had foot problems on the lambs yeah. because of the irritation in the hoof um, so yeah, that, that would have been probably the one that I can remember the most, the worst feat ever on the farm. And we're probably three years on from that now, and yeah, it's, everything's in kilter um, from that perspective. So it's just a case of continually improving now. So our daily live weight gains on the lambs are improving season on season. So we're getting better at putting the right feed in front of the animals. And we, you know, we'll keep on getting better. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. So the feet... You say never had such bad feet. How is that just then through <clears throat> sorry, the grazing and grazing yeah. it well and keeping yeah. it to a certain height? Or? We had next to no cows either at that point. Okay. So higher covers, we can you know put the cows through to, to manage it down if it gets ahead of us a bit too much. Um, we've got way too much silage because we're again growing too much grass. Yeah. So we've been selling silage every winter, um, but we're now replacing that with, with uh, these calves. So we're starting to eat it that mm. way. Because when we do the maths, you know, in theory, we'll earn a better living from running animals than we will cropping silage. Yeah. So just to go back to the livestock then, you've got two flock, two different flocks. Um, two flocks of sheep, yeah, which so were due to really dispense with the taxels. They're not performing as well as we like. And we think that our returns will be higher um, on, the, on the cattle enterprise than it will be with the taxel flock. Yeah. So we're simplifying it for... A, one Welsh flock and continuing to try and improve those ewes, the half of which will go to a um, performance report of Welsh rams and the other half are going to Innovis rams uh, on the weight trace scheme. Yeah. Um, so that's that we're just finishing our first season with that now. They're going very, very well, very happy with them. Um, so yeah, simple system, Welsh sheep and these Angus cross calves. Yeah. So how long have the calves been with you? 
Um, so we're just finishing our first year. They've gone through the scales okay. They've been putting their gains on relatively well. Always you want for more. Um, yeah, so they came in in January. They'll be out in October. Yeah. Oh. And so they are looking well, well on the lambs as well. So we, uh, we, we have, we've had a walk around just to have a look at the stock and um, the lambs are, what are they grazing? Red starts? So, yeah, we put red start in this year. Last year we put um, a uh, fodder rape in, which went well. Um, that was uh, May to September, then back into grass. This year we put red start, which is uh, fodder rape, but also with a hybrid kale in it. So it keeps on regrowing. So the lambs, the idea this year is that they're in now and they'll rotate around that field a bit of digestate on after they've grazed it and it will regrow yeah so we'll have three three grazes on that and the last graze will be some sheep in the winter okay. so what we're trying to do is remove all external bought in feed um but also rejuvenate the pastures as we go so it's a direct drill no plowing system on the bottom it's all red start yeah um on a seven year rotation and up in the three of uh, the same, but Swedes instead of Red Start, and the Swedes will be grazed December, January, February, beginning of March, and then back into grass end of April. How long have you been doing the Swedes in the system? Second year. Oh, second year as well. Last year grew an amazing crop, thought we were really amazing at this. This year's not looking quite so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we blame the dry yeah, spell. Well, I don't know, yeah, we're working to recover it anyway. But, yeah. So there'll, there'll be plenty, and we, we put a bit more in just projecting what we think will happen with higher feed prices this winter yeah um thank goodness we did put a bit more in because the crop's not great but uh, yeah. that's fine and then do you uh, put in like bales of um cider we do yeah so 80 percent of the nutrition uh, dry matter intake will come off the swedes and then 20 percent will come off the silage yeah so is that sort of set up already like the bales are they in place uh, we haven't so that's a there's a good example of uh, the shepherds having their own view and you know they they should have their own view they, they view that as uh, risky because we've got Welsh mountain sheep. Uh, Welsh mountain sheep do have issues with electric fences. So they're, they're worried that the sheep will just be Straight opening through. up and, and, and chewing into these bales through the swedes and, and, and damaging them yeah. um, before we should be grazing them and then we'll have too much waste in the silage. So, you know, we're, uh, we're, we've got a difference of opinion. I'd like to have them all placed out now because yeah. the other side is bit of health and safety driving a tractor on a bank slipping around on muddy ground trying to put bales out isn't good either so you know there's there's no perfect answer but uh, no. the shepherds are doing it their way for another season and then we'll, then we'll review review it yeah or maybe get some better well better behaved sheep <laughs> um so what lessons have you learned from the system um probably hundreds thousands to be honest so what the most important lesson i suppose detail measuring planning if you neglect that system you won't get anywhere near half of what it can present yeah um so that's that's probably a key lesson um that yeah that'd be the most important one plan and is that then where precision grazing and the consultants help from james sure, and Reese they, they've helped us put the tools in to do that planning um and we've actually got it in a pretty simple format. Um, it does involve a computer. Um, yeah. We use Excel. You know, we're not even using expensive third-party computer programs to do it. Um, it's something that we're very comfortable with. Um, so yeah, I think planning. Yeah. What are you planning in that then? So is that like literally getting the map of the farm and so marking out? Or we so every field has yeah so or paddock as we like to call it has its own um, measurement at minimum once a month in the growing season more frequently so we'll see how much we're growing how much grass we're growing and then we look at how many animals we've got what their daily demand is and we overlay the demand with what we're growing and then for example now with the dry spell our growth dropped off for a month but now it's recovered and you can project that so you can see actually are we going to be shorting of grass in September? Yeah. Are we going to have too much in October? We can plan all that, that, that through uh, to help us keep quality and to help us having to, avoid, to enable us to avoid going to buy in extra feed, which is the killer. You know, that yeah. does wipe profit out. If yeah. wrong. So it, it gives you the tools to know what's happening ahead of the job and to keep quality. So are you using any sort of computer technology to help with those predictions? Um, 
Yes, we are. Um, are they integral? I think they just sit alongside. So we work, or well, we do work with Rumi. Um, they are a satellite technology business which measures the grass from the sky. Um, and then I also go and plate meter it. So I walk around, you know, because there's no substitute looking at your own farm and seeing what's going on. Um, so that and that that's and they give us a graph grass wedge so we can see if we're going to be in excess or shortage. Um, so Rumi's pretty good. Um, we're playing with AgriWeb a bit um, to try and get the hang of that. I haven't. It's a shame that unfortunately you don't get everything in one place. So yeah. they they're good at the um, BCMS EID Cymru and all of that side of things. The, but they're not so good at the grassland management side of things. Okay. So they, they're a bit disconnected in that regard. Um, we do use electronic scales, so everything on the EID ear tags, and we download all that data and use that an awful lot to see how we're performing in, in, in lamb and, and calf performance. Yeah. Um, not particularly linking that much into software, although Breeder, the calves that are on right. bread and breakfast, Breeder is the package that they're all on. So we use Breeder uh, for basically births and deaths, any treatments that they have um, in recording animal performance. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything that's absolutely central to our farm business apart from Zero, which is an accounting package. Okay. But I wouldn't call that a farm, it's not a farm accounting package, it's a general accounting package. And you know, we're in business, so accounts are kind of yeah, important. Yeah, and that, that works for you. Um, so previously, when you uh, the old system of the set stocking, I just think like important thing like now you're out plate metering, you're looking at the whole farm. Yeah. Has that like changed your perspective of the farm or how you view it, or did that suppose, yeah change your mindset about the farm at all? Um, from a numbers perspective, you see what you're growing, so you see which your better and worse paddocks and fields are, perhaps a little bit more clearly. Yeah. Um, and also which are your early and later ones all things you kind of know but I would say it, it makes it more apparent to help you make decisions about you know where you're going to invest with lime um, where you're going to put your crop rotations in where you're going to prioritize um, for the either the lifting the worst up by its bootstraps or actually making the best perform even better you know there's two different ways of viewing that yeah um, but yeah there's, there's no substitute to getting out and walking the farm all the time. So like you are putting down lime as well and is that based on soil samples? Yep absolutely yeah so we soil sample um, very frequently um, certainly before any crop you know so that any let's say we're putting any crop in so we're going to put in um, Swedes next uh, next May this September I'll probably go out and soil test it we'll put lime on in September October yeah. so the limes have the opportunity to do some work in the soil um, and then yeah in the following spring we know exactly how much digestate we're going to put on because again we know what the soil profiles are like to get that field in its optimum position to yeah. grow the investments that we're sticking into it um, and then that will go into grass and we'll repeat that to see what's happened after the swedes to make sure it's ready for the optimum investment for the grass and what will be interesting if we're not putting any acidic fertilizers on Digestate's coming out at pH sort of six point, uh, sorry, seven point six, seven point oh, wow. seven. It'll be interesting what our ongoing lime needs will be. I've got mm. no pre-judged opinions, but what what we have found with phosphates, for example, around the farm buildings, our phosphates are in the index of maybe three, oh, wow. which is not unusual. Close to farm buildings, that's where the muck's easy <laughs> to get out to. Yeah, and we've been putting the digestate on, and we've got that now. And I was worried our phosphate indexes might be growing. They're down at one now. Mm. We're growing more crop than we ever have done. I think we brought the soil biology alive. We're growing more roots. We're growing more crop. Um, and we do leaf tissue tests. We've been doing blood tests on the lambs. And we're not seeing any uh, mineral excesses or deficiencies really as a consequence of that action. Um, so we think we're probably doing the right thing by the biology in the soil. Yeah. And then hopefully, as a consequence of that, we'll carry on growing more good grass. Yeah, so like previous to this system, and obviously the AD, you were just sort of, was just like Bert going out every year, 2010, 10? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we were, we have been liming for properly again for probably 15 years. Okay. Um, so it's not a new thing. Um, and I would say average farm pH would be 
depends where if we can average six point something there's definitely no fives so we oh, when okay. we started they were fives yeah um but it, I, i'd say the lime is probably a bit like the fences in the water it's one of the important things and you know if your ph is at five you're probably wasting your money on nitrogen yeah, yeah. or it's costing you twice as much because it's only half as effective yeah uh, and that's financially a bit of a difficult one so yeah lime for us is key yeah so obviously there's the benefits to the grass growing how has that like sort of helped other aspects of your farm of the life um social life etc is you know what are the positives that have come from turning to this sort of system um once we're getting it right we've probably got more time initially it was more work yeah um we're planning a lot more so we're having more time not to be working and spending time with our friends and family so that's that's certainly a positive i wouldn't yeah. say we cracked it my wife would certainly say we haven't cracked it but um we're going the right way yeah um so that that's certainly a positive what was the other part of the question well just like how yeah how has it affected maybe the environment the physical aspects of the farm so we sort of mentioned about the biology has improved and the grass is growing yeah but just like yeah you know from that how just changing just changing to a uh, rotational system how that like impacts everything else yeah I suppose we feel more more in control and therefore more relaxed if you if you know what the plan is, um, and also we're on a on a trajectory that financially we can hopefully see our way through for the future. Um, you know whether my family want to be farming the next generation that's that's their choice, but certainly we'll be looking to hand it or make it available in a in a really good shape financially and you know from a production perspective and it was interesting we did open farm sunday for the first time this year the leaf open farm yeah. sunday and we just opened it up to the caravan park um but a number of people from outside came and they're very welcome and uh, we did the feedback forms afterwards and we had a, a hunch that people probably didn't know what farming was all about and what was going on in the farm and that, that was the case and the questions were I would get, as you'd expect, non, non-technical, but people were absolutely blown away with what we were doing. Yeah. And I would then say the, the positive excitement through the shepherds, you know, myself and my family were there, you know, pouring the tea and doing the stuff in the day and chatting and engaging with everybody. When we opened the gates, they could see it. For us, it was really good shot in the arm of adrenaline, if you yeah. like, that it made us feel that actually people saw that farmers aren't bad they're not all polluting rivers and they're not all mm. they they all care about the animals and the environment and i think that came across and sharing that with our i suppose customers um was a really good thing so that that was nice and i think you know the fact that we've got a plan we know what we're doing under this new system and we can talk with confidence why it's good for the animal why it's good for the environment why it's good for water and the air yeah. um I think has made us feel that we're doing the right thing and therefore very content in our job. That's really great. And I think, yeah, that feedback from, say, doing Open Farm Sunday is so important, mm. isn't it? Yeah. On both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll open it a bit bigger next year. We'll get, get, invite the neighbouring villages if they'd like to come and have a look. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be somebody that will ask us a horrible, difficult question that we'll try and answer. But so far, it's been yeah, a really positive experience talking to the public and as farmers, that's not, certainly as a family, it's not really ever been our way. We just quietly get on and do what we do. And we don't want to be overly public and yeah. tell everybody what they should be doing and why we're amazing because we're not, we're learning, we're trying to do a good job. Um, but yeah, it gave us a good feeling. Yeah, I think that's, is that is the thing with most farmers is just sort of quietly getting on with it. Whereas if you can engage with people, because I think there's also that sort of element of, oh, the village is surrounded by farms, they should know, but actually... I think the disconnect is so much that even Immense. people living in the countryside actually don't know what's going on. They see sheep, lambing and... Well, my kids, when they were younger in the, in the village school, to take that analogy, so there were 90-odd kids, so a good, good, well-subscribed school. I think there were three farming families in the whole school. Yeah. You know, they just are, I'm afraid the UK is completely disconnected from the land. Yeah, so opening those farm gates is so yeah. important. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that part of the system has allowed you to take back control like how does that feel like 
certainly in this past few months, like say, you know, we're seeing increase in prices and then even with the weather, you know, we, how, yeah, how does that feel to know that you are taking back that control? It takes a lot of pressure off, I would say. Um, so the, 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 the only thing, not the only, the main thing that worries us are the things that are out of our control. And the biggest one at the moment that's out of our control would be the value that people want to pay for our lifestyle, mm. I guess. You know, that's that's probably the, the big one that unless we start going up the integrated supply chain, we're not going to have much effect on. Yes, we're, we're working on projects into Waitrose and, and Marks and Spencers to try and, you know, be at a good place in the market. Um, but all the other ones, apart from probably the diesel bill and a few mm. bits and bobs, you know, we've removed all those costs out of the business. So... Yeah, we're quite relaxed. So where we are spending money, we can, you know, we're very focused on was that a smart thing to spend it on? Did we need to spend it on on that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Be sort of a nice, yeah. nice feeling. It's simplifying life. A simple system that everybody understands. Yeah, I think that yeah, a simple system that everybody understands. I think that's a really important because uh, I, I do sort of think it's like sometimes it is things have been made so complicated yeah. by so much advice is offered from so many that yeah. it becomes a complicated actually you can make something really simple and it yes. works and you yeah. all benefit from that don't there you? is one challenge though oh. which we were discussing we were walking around is so we with 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 uh, Chris we were having a, a really good field farm visit farm open day and uh I felt we'd just, just get into grips with this rotational grazing thing and it's been a real mind shift for us. And then people start using other words like regen farming and think, oh, here we go, I've just got that <laughs> rotational grazing and now we're trying to think about something else and the world doesn't stop and you've got to keep on changing and evolving and yeah. you know, who knows, that might be something that, well, I suppose you probably are doing regen and don't realise it, but fashion at the moment, it's a case of on a scale of one to ten, where are we on the regen? We're probably nearer one than ten. Yeah. So, like, taking that then, is that part of your, like, future ambition or where you want the next level to go? We certainly know that if we're farming to the optimum financial performance, that is the same, in our opinion, with the work we've done as maximum uh, environmental sustainability. So, I suspect we'll be doing more, more regen actions consciously or subconsciously to get to maximum profit which I think will be maximum sustainability okay. I don't know if that, that sounds like a politician's answer it does yeah. <laughs> did you actually it answer it <laughs> wasn't supposed to come out like that but yeah I, I think yeah I think we will be doing more yeah what has been the return on investment in that advice then um sort of question the way I've been talking I should be able to answer that question but I can't um I probably could work it out you know, we do pull out snippets, you know, it costs us, what, three and a half pence a day to feed a ewe on Swedes because of the guidance and steer that they've given us. And it would have cost many times that to do it in silage and nuts and what was left of a bare bit of grass for the winter. Yeah. So there's been a, a significant return on investment because their advice, I haven't distilled it down saying we paid them X and therefore made Y. Yeah. Um, Is it just though... Although you are paying for the services, it's sort of one of those, there isn't a monetary value for it because it's more than... Oh yeah, haven't you? It's, it's, it's changing and transforming. And, and also they're doing what good consultants should as well. Like the regen thing we've just mentioned, Yeah. that's a new thing. I'm thinking, crikey, we're just getting a hold of, of rotational grazing. And that's what a consultant needs to do, which is to keep on expanding our thought process and, and making us keep moving. You've never cracked it. You need to keep on changing and moving and evolving. Yeah. Um, so that's the other bit of value that they definitely are bringing, but you can't put a number on it. Yeah. You can't put that number on it, but there's, there's so many more positives that have come from that, what you've already yeah. spoken yeah. about, as known yeah. as the change of attitude, the change of how you even feel. Yeah. Even if it was just that, I think is really important of that yeah. control again. If you were going to start this, let's call it a journey, uh, again, would there be anything that you'd do differently? Um, good question. I think I'd get to, get to grips with that measurement and planning as early as possible and just overdo it. Yeah. Um, 
and I mean we were pretty quick getting the infrastructure in but get the infrastructure in quicker um, I guess the, the the two lads on the farm they've been good at adopting it it'd be probably if I was to get them in the office a bit more um, to understand what we're doing input and um, take control of that more I think would be good because um, you know, it's not just me it's three of us trying to do it yeah um, so yeah so they've they've made they've made the switch and they've bought into it but actually taking a hundred percent ownership of it and probably aiming to make me redundant that would be the ultimate aim so yeah. that actually all I'm doing is thinking of new new things and next next job as opposed to today's job yeah but how important was that did you bring them in straight away as soon as you sort of came back from those two days? Were sure, they, oh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We have a sort of, uh, you know, 10 minute chat every day in the yard and then we'd probably spend an hour a week in the office, probably max, but that probably ought to be two hours. Yeah. I think we underdo that. And I know Chris and, and James put a value, you know, it might be the salary value of, you know, 12, 15 pound an hour, whatever, on the actual time on the farm. And double or treble it for the time in the office yeah. because the impact of, of that time financially in the business is significant if you use it wisely. And I think we need to do more of that. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. Like just you know, even as we said about getting the public to understand and the staff and yeah. the family involved in running the farm, isn't yeah. it? Communication is so important. So, would you recommend precision grazing then to the farmers? Better have them, I? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> No, they've been good, and also you pick up the phone so many times, you know. So, you know, you, you, the questions don't always come at the right time once no. a month when you're having a chat. Um, so, yeah, I would say from the advice they give us, but also the people and the other farmers that they've introduced us to via the discussion groups. Um, so, I would say it's not just about consultancy; it's about you know getting in that that wider group of people that are all trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And it must be, yeah, having that network around you to, again, do you, like, pick up the phone to them if you're, you know, asking questions yeah. as well? And just... We've got a WhatsApp group as well, so often there's a, something pops up on that that people yeah. might uh, ask questions about. Um, and also, I guess, it's, it's, it's accessing information. There's, there's a lot of research out there. Um, and as farmers, we haven't got the time to be, or, or perhaps the skill and the inclination to be yeah. hunting down that information but you, you'll have people like Chris and, and, and James that will be pointing us towards that information or putting it in a, you know, an, an edible format for us to use. Yeah. Um, so that's the other part is, is progressing, um, not staying current. Yeah. You need to be ahead of current. Yeah, and having the help there to do that and then other people inputting. Because again, I think earlier when we were just walking, as I said about as we become more efficient, we become more isolated. So actually now with the introduction of, say, the technology of apps and WhatsApp yeah. and discussion groups, yeah. we're creating that community again. Definitely, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, from seeing what you've done here and talking about other elements of the business, you're bringing other people in. Yeah. You know, and, you know, there's that sharing and community building back in the area. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I think perhaps the only thing we need to do as farmers is to get it out of not just our farming community, which is the bit that we you know enjoy and is our comfort zone, yeah. is sharing what we what good work we do as farmers and, and, and I'm no good at this, I'm I stay immediately, but is sharing that in, in the wider world. Yeah. So yeah. our customers, the politicians, the policy advisors actually see what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think farmers sort of lunge from being you know we were key workers for a while weren't we yes um, yeah. <laughs> in covid yeah and then, and then no. before you know it, at cop 26 apparently we were destroying yeah. the planet um, and we just lunge from one to the other and you know the bodies of the fuw nfu cla they all do great work you know at a policy level and i guess as farmers we've got to be supporting that to actually make a noise in our own communities and environment about what we do yeah, um, yeah as, as i say I'm no good at it, but I know we need to do more of it. Yeah, I think that is really important. Um, so what has surprised you most about this, again, I'm going to use the word journey, yeah. <laughs> the rotational grazing, precision grazing journey? I suppose doubling the farm without buying more land. That's 
fairly big surprise. Yeah, um, big. That's probably the biggest surprise. Um, and just, I guess, ongoing observation. You know, I've got a two two track approach. We're trying to rejuvenate pastures by good rotational grazing and digestate. Yeah. And then the other one is putting in our, our forage crops, if you like, the Swedes or or, or rape, um, kale hybrids. Um, followed by a grass to actually see which is doing the best and um, where we get, where we're going to end up. That's that, that. I guess you'll never you'll never get to the end, will you? No. But where we'll settle on a, on a on a farm system. But certainly, you know, we're zero tillage. We do use glyphosate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, where we'll end up, you know, in terms of farmers, I think we'll be producing more and more kilograms of live weight per hectare. Yeah. Um, and that won't be the expense of the environment. Um, yes, but where will it end up? I don't know. So keep on going. And so then finally, what would be one piece of advice you'd give to other farmers who were like maybe just teetering on the edge of going into this or picking up the phone to ring precision grazing? Do it. Try a small block of ground first just to build your confidence, um, build your knowledge really, and also so you're not having to financially push yourself too hard too far and that'll be enough once you get that right you'll keep going yeah excellent well thank you ever so much for your time and uh, meeting you today and uh good luck with the next uh, stages of the two-track approach thank you very much i really hope you enjoyed my conversation with philip it is so great to see farmers taking on the advice and guidance from precision grazing to turn their farm and fortunes around this isn't just about electric fence. James and Reese and the rest of the team offer so much more. If you want to turn your business around and take back control, visit www.precisiongrazing.com to book a chat with one of the team. It really will be a decision you won't regret.